My name is Joanne Averson, and this is the podcast, Pain Removed, Performance Improved. So, welcome, Kylie Hennessy. So great to meet you online. And welcome to Pain Removed, Performance Improved. And just if you would say where you are and a little bit about you and what you just said to me offline, online, because I think that's the magic of the connection. Yes. Well, I'm Kylie, so I'm thrilled to be uh, here with you to get an opportunity to, to to chat to chat yoga and all things spirit and science. Um, I am currently I'm in Manly in Sydney, Australia. I'm actually looking out to Manly Beach right now, although it's dark. Um, and yeah, I. I I'm just thrilled to be able to have an opportunity to talk with you because when I found your work, I was so um, excited to see a, a, a blend which was similar to the blend of my experiences and what goes on in my world in terms of mind, spirit, body and breath. And for me, I think it's been rare to find um, yogis and yoginis who are deep, uh, deeply uh, entrenched or passionate about learning and integrating the science and then scientists who are also um, passionate about spirit. So I was thrilled to find your work and now I'm thrilled to have an opportunity to to talk with you, chat. (laughs) That's just so brilliantly said because I don't think either field need to exclude the other. But I don't know what your experience is, um, Kylie, but I often find that people are frightened to go into the science or we have what I call bumper sticker biology Mm. where we get a theme I'm not denigrating it it's fabulous but it's a theme or an idea that goes beautifully on Instagram but what's behind it you know and we all need Instagram but it's like when you have a little bit of insight into what's behind that and you uncover the science in the sense of the neutral principles upon which it's based, then perhaps we take it in and consider it differently when applied to ourselves, which is where I think the spirit comes in. Is it right? Is it true for me? So how, how do, do you get that feeling that it's like, it's a tricky blend? I, I absolutely do. And I think... For me, uh, so I left school and went and did a degree in chemistry and biochemistry and that's, I felt like I was a bit alone often in that degree. I'd sit in my lectures thinking, but what about the soul and what about our emotions and what about love? And that wasn't <laughs> readily discussed in those lectures, but what I'd, <laughs> no one <laughs> seemed keen to discuss it with me, but I'd go up to the library and I'd be like going on to Medline or whatever it was back then, you could access things going, love, hormones, finding what I could find. But um, what I did learn in that degree was quantum mechanics essentially and and I walked out going, oh, we're a big bag of chemical reactions, which is essentially energy transformation and exchange and, and I'm not separate to anything else in my environment. So... At the end of my degree, I found the book, The Tao of Physics, and um, I still can remember finding it in the bookshop at uni and just being like, yes, because that 
that book is about a physicist who went and lived with the Native American tribes and he talks a lot about the leading edge of physics and where that meets a lot of the ancient philosophies and yoga, Buddhism, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my bridge. Um, and most people in my life just thought that I'd done some weird kind of completely random move from science to yoga, but for me it was extremely logical. And what you were saying before I think is exactly how I experienced it. I felt like yogic practices and yogic philosophy I think my mind could just really absorb it. There was never any questioning of it because I had that background of the quantum uh, mechanics. And yeah. And I think, yeah. sorry, say that last thing again, the, the quantum mechanics. And the chemistry. The chemistry. Mm. Well, this is, uh, this is somewhere where um, I had a slightly different journey to yours, but the, the crossover, it's extraordinary. Um, learning transcendental meditation at a very, very early age and um, later meeting some of the Indian professors and what, what can I say? I use the word guru very hesitatingly because I mean it literally in the sense mm. of gurus, but we live in a guru culture that is 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 dying. You know, that I, we have to be our own guru. Carolyn Mace puts it beautifully. She said, we all have to become mystics without monasteries which I think is just mm. beautiful because we're yeah. at the same time as we learn to, to be aware of our individual, let's say spirit. I don't, I don't mean, I'm not discussing spiritual as opposed to, you know, as defined by what your spiritual practices are, but what I'm talking about are the invisible elements through, through which we animate that we animate ourselves by. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise we're cadaveric which is slightly problematic when it comes to sharing anything, right? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're done. So this is where um, I bumped into something very ironic. And I share this with you from what you just said. I was asked by several highly skilled scientific people, why did you call your book Yoga, Fascia, Anatomy and Movement? Why didn't you just call it Fascia, Anatomy and Movement? Because you brought together so many of the questions we're asking about the fascial matrix. And I said, oh, the reason is I felt it gave me a license to talk about spirit. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to just talk about what I've heard anatomists call double dead anatomy. You know, it's, it's dead because it's based on a cadaver, but it's double dead, partly because the cadaver was um, preserved in a fixative, which fixes it. So it's static. So we have to be so careful about what we deduce from that and then apply to a moving body at the simplest level of science mm -hmm. into living. Um, but also double dead because it was so reduced in the books and the studies to the component parts. You know, we're discussing watch parts, but we're not telling the time. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, it's like, so you get it. Yeah. And my answer was because I can bring in spirit and then I found myself in the UK being asked to speak at an Indian High Commission and uh, it was quite a privilege to be speaking there and mm -hmm. um, one of the head speakers came up to me a lovely lovely man who I have huge time for and he said well we're going to be taking the word spirit out of any qualification in yoga 
And I went, what? Mm. What are you talking about? Well, in order to bring yoga into medical fields, it must be backed by science. I couldn't agree more. Mm. And, you know, we've got the work of Satbir Khalsa and Shirley Tellis and mm. Professor Tona Nadia and all these people that are, are just, and I mention a few that come into my head at this moment, but I've got my my bookshelves are full of them, not to mention the work of BKS Iyengar and, and, and all our many brilliant minds. Professor Madan mm-hmm. Thangavelu is a friend of mine and his work is brilliant on the human microbiome. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, these are wonderful people, but not one of them would remove spirit from their conversation or their language, not one of them. So I'm like, hang on a second. Why are we dissecting the spirit out? We can surely do both. So on that note, I'm going to ask you, I was also trained in structural integration by Dr. Ida Roth, and she was a biochemist. She was Dr. Mm -hmm. Biochemistry, interestingly. And she brought structural, structural integration was about reorganizing and emphasizing the fascial matrix because she felt it was the keystone to the psychosomatic interface. Mm. So very similar journey to yours, but, but manual therapy. And mm. one of the things that we're so keen on when looking at it from a biotensegrity point of view, for example, is the chemical structure has the same behaviors as the physical structure, which takes us into an understanding of geometry. Mm-hmm. which is where the ancient Vedic sages come into their own. So I've yes. just thrown a whole load of stuff at you. I've just told you why I come from a similar place, but same thing, but different. Yeah. And go with geometry, because when we're talking about quantum, I don't know about you, but we, we can't leave geometry out of the mix. So talk to me about that. And if that. Well, I guess, you know, it's always that world within world with worlds within worlds Brilliant. within worlds, isn't it? And that's, um, yeah. I guess, yeah, I, I think that's what my mind constantly comes back to and that's when I'm practising yoga, when I'm teaching yoga, when I'm applying yoga therapy or watching people kind of transform their own experiences. And I think, you know, one thing that one thing that did jump out uh, at me, what you said about um, Ida Rolf and the psychosomatic kind of um, understanding of, of the healing process, not what you said, but um, it's certainly it's certainly been kind of one of my key focuses. And, I and you know, I've taught yoga now for over 25 years and I've taught full time. So I've literally taught thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people, um, you know, 30 hours a week kind of thing. So I think there's a, there's a difference when you work with that many different minds and bodies over such a long period of time or, or you know, or when you teach maybe one class a week, which many people do, which is fabulous. But in terms of my kind of, uh, you know, watching that transformation occur in people, with people, um, when they get in touch with the different layers of themselves but also in the holism of themselves, I guess, the holistic Brilliant. sense of themselves is what is often... The, you know, that's where the magic lies, isn't it? But that that 
you know, I've had so many clients, and you know, including myself, but you know, where there's that they come in for something physical on the musculoskeletal level, or often they've come in because there's no diagnosis and they've got it's a mystery. Um, but you know, inevitably, if you can get them to feel safe enough, or if I can help them to have the skills, but also feel safe enough to to go into that the world within the body, which is that psychosomatic world and feel the feelings without analyzing them, without even necessarily having to label them. Um, and then come and drop into that sense of spirit where that experience of spirit, like you're saying, not spirituality, but when we experience that wholeness of spirit moving through, animating us, however we want to say it, um, that's when the do you think it changes their chemistry? I do. And, I, and I, one of my, um, you know, favourite scientists is Dr Candice Perth, who's obviously not with this embodied. Yeah. I feel like I try and, you know, <laughs> tap into her sometimes, but extraordinary work. And I, I was, you know, I guess for me, I spent many years in the yoga world joining all these dots in my own mind but not really having anyone to speak to about the two worlds colliding but I just was like bing, 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 bing. and I'd think I wonder if it's this and I'd wonder if it's that and um, and then as all the body mind science keeps rolling out I'm like oh that's what I thought and I wondered that and so I, I didn't discover Dr Candice Pert's work until maybe about 10 years ago as I was teaching a, pro, a birth, childbirth program called Calm Birth, which is a wonderful program that incorporates meditation and relaxation and teaches the relaxation response. And anyway, I came across her work then and I read her book, Molecules of Emotion. And I mean, obviously, have you read her book? Because she, she talks oh God, about... I, she's, I quote her a lot. Yeah, she's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I read her book, I, I not only did I love kind of the biochemistry and the chemicals of emotion and I was like, this is what I was looking for, this is what I've been wanting, um, but just also her description of being in the scientific world as a woman and I think that that really I felt almost just like some kind of layer lift off me when I read that and took me back to my to, to my time at university being one of the very few females in the chemist in my chemistry lectures anyway at the time. Wow. And and I and I and I did have that sense that I was a bit lesser, but I don't think I was consciously aware of it then. But reading her book, I kind of was like, oh there was some there was like a subconscious kind of um, recognition of that, which was which was interesting. So lots of things kind of uh, came into place for me. But I, I love her work and I love, I guess, the, the, the thing that I love most about, you know, the new understanding of the fascia and the body-mind science and Dr. Candice Perp's work is that as a, as a yoga teacher, I quote, as I'm sure you do, I quote the scientists because that's who my clients associate with as authoritative figures I I rarely quote sutras or um I mean I love I would love to quote sutras and, but <laughs> I know yeah it's it's a tricky one actually I was the, the meeting when I when I was with um 
Professor Madame Thangavelu, who I quote he, because he's become a dear friend of mine and, and he, he teaches me so helpful because he's a he's an Ayurvedic doctor as well as the doctor of the, the microbiome. And he actually quoted the relationship between the sutras and the, the, the studies that they spent 40 years working out and he showed all these charts that nobody could read i mean he just reeled through them on these slides this was the point he reeled through them on the slide and this 40 years of results all dots and dashes and charts and colored squares and it was like oh my god and you're sitting there thinking like you just that this whole science is sometimes used as our himsa you know it's like it's like you know satya ahimsa it's like this is the scientific truth and yeah. then you feel like you've been bashed over the head with it and I remember sitting in my chair and sliding down my chair and looking at these slides, but he had this sort of knowing smile. He's a very mm. brilliant man. And he, he just grinned and then he he went back to the sutras and then the translation of the sutras. And it was almost as if the mm. science validated the sutras and the sutras were the basis of the science. He, he linked it so exquisitely as only a very mm. experienced tutor can oh, I love that. yeah because I do I find in my head it's like I'm like <laughs> but I'd love to I'd love to read well that that's like a good year study or 10 years study oh. isn't it? <laughs> well, the, yeah. this is the thing isn't it that when when I went into the sacred geometry um because I was so interested in the chemical structures and then the structure of water is one of my uh passions and, that, and Candice Pert, the, the words molecules of emotion. I mean, God almighty, she had me at molecules. But when she said of emotion, I, I was like, give me this book, give me this book. And it was given to me as a gift. And I just remember the humanity. That was the thing. Mm. The humanity with which she wrote. And we, we, walk, in, we walk in her footsteps with, with pride and humility and She's so daring and so honest. And I think we're going through a period, Kylie, and I mean, you know, argue with me if you disagree but with pleasure, but I feel as if we're going through a period where we're being called to dismantle what is unnecessary in those structures. Now, let's let's be clear. I, Dr. Ida Rolfe, Dr. Carolyn Mace, van der Scarvelli, who was the matriarch of the yogic lineage that I was trained in, she trained one-to-one -one with BKS Iyengar, but she brought such a feminine wisdom mm. without waving a feministic flag. She brought this, how can I say this, this internalization to the practice of the yoga. And you know, in Native American Indian wisdom, which I I, I got to taste a little bit of studying with Carolyn Mace, mm -hmm. um, the anatomy of the spirit and so on. And she's a theologian. That's her uh, doctorate. Um, we were introduced to this idea that in Native American Indian wisdom, women are considered to have the deeper intuition because they're so in tune with the cycles of the moon and the cycles of life. They are the cyclic holding of, of the wisdom, the lineage and that doesn't make masculine non-intuitive or wrong, mm. but but let's just be clear: the human egg is carried through the generations, and you're present as an egg in the embryo of your mother, in yeah. your grandmother. So mm. let, let's just be clear: we're we're a continuum. 
Mm. So the knowing, and we might be shifting into gnosis rather than information, quantitative, scientific data here. The knowing is sometimes you could say it's innate. And that isn't to make the male non-intuitive for a minute. It's the balance of Ida and Pingala that come together and then Shushumna arises spontaneously. Mm. There's the neutral place of animation. And what somehow Candice Pert did is she did that with her writing. And I think what, what's happening now is that we're dismantling this idea that either one presides over the other, but together we can facilitate this extraordinary difference, this magical, you use the word magic, that's where the magic is. And what I want to take you back to in what you said, because I think this is what the chemistry is about. And the other thing I just want to say, we created science, science didn't create us. Yes. Just saying. Excuse me. So let's just know that's my ground of being. As I spend my life going, calm down, guys. We created the science, you know. Haptic perception is just a new language, but it's, sounds and haptics in our phone are a function of what we're already doing. We just don't describe it like that. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes like the science is catching up with spirit. But anyway, you use the word transformation. Mm. And this is where Candice Pert's work is about the biochemical transformation of what you could reduce to a chemical structure but actually you animate and change with the knowing thereof the observer changes the observed mm -hmm. but you what you're doing with your work I can hear it just I'm loving this is you do that with somebody with what they've got on the mat you bring it into where are you at now you meet them. I know you do. Yes. You have to, do. right? Because they're all different. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. walks onto your mat isn't what was in the book ever. No. So, no. so that difference, the, the, what we're on here, I think, is an alchemical path. I know Absolutely. alchemists were deemed to be no. lunatics. But I, no. Carolyn Mace has the phrase, our job in life is to transform the lead of our wounds into the gold of our gifts. Absolutely. And in my world, spirit gives us what we need to animate that transformative function. Mm -hmm. So given that theme, how does your chemistry knowledge or your biochemistry knowledge, how do, what do you do with that when you're, perhaps you're working with, you said antenatal or postnatal or prenatal or both presumably? Yeah, well, I, you know, I actually work, I have, I have worked, I've got three children who are now older. So I did a good 14 years prenatal, postnatal, um, and I don't do so much with the pre and postnatal now, but I do a lot of work with, at the moment I'm working a lot with trauma recovery. So, Brilliant. and often quite um, extreme um, mental states and the physical states. So, yeah, and I guess, you know, the sensitivity required for that, you know, plus with the prenatal and the postnatal, but, you know, the trauma recovery requires a whole, for me, a whole other level of sensitivity but also presence um, to, to access that sensitivity. Um, and I can't remember what your question was now. Oh, transfer, okay. the, alchemy. The, transfer yeah. the power, the alchemizing the whole 
process yeah. for them. So in other words, they don't come in with your version of how they should correct. It's it's you helping them uncover theirs. And exactly. I can, say, can I just say, you don't look old enough to have three kids, let alone adult kids. I was a little bit young. I was, 20, I was 26 when I had my first and he's 19. So younger Not than the chance. You look in your 30s. <laughs> Sorry, guys, this is audio for you. But I'm on visual and this woman just looks, radiates light. <laughs> and honestly, <laughs> I would put you late 30s. I would <laughs> put you late. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Um, just saying yeah. whatever you're doing you're doing it it's I bow <laughs> literally <laughs> just saying sorry to sidetrack you so transformation alchemy so, yeah well, ingredients. one of my um teachers as well who I've who's been my teacher since I was about 21 she actually um was at uh what is an Osho Sanyasin and spent many years as the head of the mystic school in in Pune and Cologne so I feel very privileged that I came across her and another great teacher who was from the Japanese yoga lineage, Okido, Peter Masters. And um, so my teachers have always, always encouraged me to be present and experience what you're experiencing and always through the heart um, so developing that acceptance and that that ability of the heart to be patient and loving and accepting and kind. So that's kind of, in a sense, the kind of um, foundation of the transformation is what I'm what I was, and I, I totally, um, you know, anything that tricky that comes up, I've just got to sit, be present, and it's just about helping people to find that hold that space for themselves ultimately, isn't it? And and that is where that transformation or that alchemy happens. And I think I do picture it, but for many years I couldn't say this to anybody, but I picture a series of chemical reactions. Dude, I'm so fascinated. <laughs> I just, oh, my God, I'm I'm thrilled with this. That my my I, I you know from our conversation I I'm, I'm in a mystery school and my teachers it's all about living love mm. and love is the ingredient the chemical and you know about its biochemistry and Candice thank you so much for writing that down for us so that we mm. can wave the scientific flag around it however yeah. it's a it's a it's something we have to start with ourselves right and it, it, so what you're saying is self-compassion is an ingredient of that alchemy is that what you're saying am I putting words in your mouth yeah and and as we know that that ultimate essence of spirit is compassion isn't it like ananda like the satchitananda mm. it's like ultimately we're, <clears throat> we're not really giving it to people or ourselves we're lifting the veils aren't we and it's like I, yeah. I've sort of experienced. It's like a, it's like a healing balm. I think, love, and I mean, you know, I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there was something else I was going to say around that. Yeah, one, one of my clients actually once described it to me, which I thought, oh, that is fascinating, and it feels like the experience for me is that. She said, it's kind of like you show us where the door is and then you walk us up to the door, you hold our hand, you open the door and then you just wait outside the door while, while I'm in there 
doing what I need to do, but I know that you're there waiting for me, which I thought was. Kylie, that's it, such a blessing. It feels Both like ways. that. Don't you think when you're working with people? Like I just, yeah, I, I, it was beautiful to have that reflected back to me because I thought that's how it feels. And it's just, I can't say, if, if only people could see you, you're <laughs> sitting there, you're literally glowing. It's just beautiful. And I, it's funny you say this because I, I had a, an instant in a classroom once where there was, I was teacher training and one of the teachers was so eager to assist that I actually had to stop them. I, and, and I don't stop people lightly because I don't think it's, I think they need to find their own way. But I had to stop them for the for the highest good of the group and the purpose of getting the teaching material across the room, because it was what was happening was the the the, the teacher who was struggling was having their experience hijacked. Yes. Yeah. And actually, what was happening? And this is fascinating to me because teacher training is so dear to my heart, mm-hmm. um, as well as working with our clients. It's it's. Mm-hmm. I know you train trainers. I can feel it. That, that you that we somehow take that grace that our masters have shared with us so generously and mm-hmm. and, and alchemize ourselves this process mm-hmm. of can I actually pass this on? Can I share this? But I remember being, I was present in the room. I was the the person supposedly guiding the room. And yet I was very deferential because it wasn't my school. But at the same time, I could see this person struggling and another member of the group happily jumping in to help them and being Mm -hmm. so helpful that they, as I say, they were hijacking the experience. Mm. And I remember thinking at the time and your beautiful remedy of, I call it press pause and ponder. You know, I pressed pause and thought, let's be honest, now what am I going to (laughs) do? I just stood there and I thought, okay, I can hold this, but this person's like a runaway train. Mm. And I just had to eventually, after like the third or fourth go, it was almost becoming towards too violent for the for the person to manage, was put my hand up and say, okay, stop. You are hijacking someone else's experience mm. or someone's experience is being hijacked. I tried to make it as neutral as possible. I remember I was going through murders, going spirit. <laughs> come in, come in, come in, tell me what to do. And what I hear in what you've just shared, and and, mm-hmm. and I think it's one of the most honouring, and it sounds like a blessing both ways from here, mm-hmm. is that this person said, you wait for me outside the door, you let me go in. Mm-hmm. And then when I come out, I know you're there. Mm-hmm. And that's just beautiful. Because mm-hmm. that's, isn't that how we, we want to be for our children only we can stop ourselves just about to say that it it is isn't it like that's and and I think that going back to what you were saying before of being you know handing down the the wisdom or that deep intuition I think um that you know it's it's mothering isn't it and and that's how I say to my clients sometimes who have struggled for years to heal themselves and self-care and you know, sometimes I just say to them, look, we're biologically programmed to heal each other and regulate each other. We're mm. not we're not programmed to heal ourselves in that sense. You know, it's that it's that connection and that 
and that mothering energy, that feminine energy, I think. Um, is, I think is, it's so beautifully blended and balanced, though. If you, you see, for me, the masculine is uh, the masculine and feminine represent the Ida Pingala, if you like. I say for me, like this is partly what I was taught, but partly what I what I found for myself not that it wasn't available in the teachings but I interpreted them my way and then came back to where I started don't you ever find that you've done all this wisdom stuff and then you go off and you've forgotten it and then it says itself to you two years later and you think oh yeah I did know um but that's what they meant yeah but we can't get it till we get it you know, we just don't get it till we get it for ourselves. And I, I have one son, but he's a little bit older than, than your oldest. I think he's, he's 27 because I'm, I'm 102 next birthday. So yoga is just so amazing. No, seriously, I'm not quite that old, but I, I'm probably quite a bit older than you. And um, he, he, he does, he does his way. He does his way. And one yeah. of the things I realized um, was that it was a bit like you know my father wrote to me that I was always a guest in his house hmm. and oh, he, he he really very very young age and he always I used to phone him and say hi daddy it's me hmm. and he'd go hello me <laughs> as if it was the first time I mean, I remember when I was little, I used to give him the same Christmas present every year and it, it, and he used to open it like it was a complete surprise and he was totally amazed. He just had that magic about him. And he, yeah. it had me, it taught me by example, treat my son and his friends a little bit like you would, a, if a bird of paradise landed on your in your garden, you'd very quietly grab a camera and you'd try and take pictures of it to hold that memory but you wouldn't dare breathe too loud in case it flew away. And mm. I, I, I've treated him. I mean, don't, don't worry. He's had some, he's had discipline when necessary or been invited to discipline himself, but <laughs> it's fun. that combination of getting out the way and being outside the door, isn't it? Hovering. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, I'm sure you agree. Like you, motherhood, is a great yogic path. There's a lot of reflection. As, as his fatherhood. As his fatherhood, yeah. I have to tell you, his no, father's yeah. been Parenting, completely yeah. amazing with him. Parenting his dad is... sometimes got the, the difficult straw because he was the one with the with the containment mm. and I was the one that was free to let him be the bird. So between us, we got this masculine-feminine balance, and mm -hmm. I think we did okay. But what I wanted to ask you is, how do you translate? Because I And I know I'm. we deliberately didn't prepare this because I wanted it to be spontaneous, but how do you correlate the science that you studied so diligently while longing for more spirit amongst the scientists and perhaps the spiritual practice in a mystery school that you sought mm. to anchor in the science, do they somehow represent this sort of Ida Pingala principle or how do you, what was the friction? What drove you? What frustrated you? Because there has to be, you have to be goaded and guided into your work, surely. Um, I think, I think a deep yearning for truth um, or just curiosity 
about truth and the truth of things. Um, but also when I when I discovered, when I started practising yoga after, because at the end of my degree I would see form, chemical formulas everywhere, number plates, just my head was full. Wow. And so when I found, when I... I, I launched straight into yoga. Actually, one of the first things I did, I went on a seven-day fasting retreat, quite oblivious to what that meant. And the rest of my friends went off to a music festival and I was like, I'm going to go to do this yoga retreat, not realising how intense that was going to be. Um, but it was phenomenal. And the thing, the thing that I... The thing that I loved about it was getting beyond the mind <clears throat> and that wow yeah getting beyond the mind and and the the peacefulness of that um because I I'm I'm a big I'm a thinker I'm still a big thinker but I love that I can use my tools to get have a break have a break in the mind and get beyond the mind and and yeah just just have that deeper inner connection, which gives you that deeper outer connection, I guess, as well. And, you know, um, yeah, I feel like then life kind of throws you all kinds of things to to keep deepening that journey. But, yeah, I think that the two for me, I really, I, can, I love, I can appreciate the complexity of, I, I love the complexity of the science and, but but you can keep just it, it's going down down down. It just it's endless, isn't it? And then yeah. the the endlessness of of spirit and the silence and the peace oh. of that endlessness is such a relief. I think so. That that sort of I guess I don't know if that answers your question, but but that's I guess that's the yin the yang the you know the the masculine is more the thinking the knowledge and the the feminine more the surrender and inner world you know I think yeah and what I hear when you say that I see the yin yang sign and what I see are the two eye dots and the surrounding what isn't within the sign and what I what I hear is you saying well there's the yin and the yang within this sort of universal expansion but within the dots the bindu there's this deepening so we can go in 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 into the nanoscale but yeah. we can go out 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 to the infinite and yeah. somehow for me studying the history of anatomy for example when i came across um, galileo upholding copernicus theory that we were a, a heliocentric rather than a geocentric galaxy doesn't make the geocentric wrong it just makes it very very complex mm. and the, but the the heliocentric is the the key that that kind of simplifies and complifies the whole thing at the same time and yeah. what at the same time in history was actually happening was that we were we were getting microscopes and telescopes at the same time now this fascinates me because that's to me is what you've just said that the telescope shows us this infinite apparently infinite excuse me universe and the microscope because at the same time Virtual came into the pathology mm. and that's actually what's happening now I, I i recently did a podcast with neil thies mm. and he of course spends his life in a microscope looking at the so-called interstitium and the and the nothingness of the spaces i know they're virtual but nevertheless the in-between 
And he's realized that the in-between is all joined up throughout the body. The spaces are one unified fascia, as it were, which from a mystical point of view is not news. It's like, duh. Um, But it's like, thank God somebody's seen it scientifically through a microscope with masses of qualifications and papers out in the world. So scientifically authorized to state that nothing this joins us all together, wrapped Mm. in the weave of the biochemical pattern of the fascia. Yeah. He doesn't actually say those words. I'm paraphrasing, Neil. Sorry, Neil. But it's kind of that's the path that we're on. And then you you have John Sharkey talking about black matter, dark matter. Fascia is the dark matter of the body. And he always talks about the inner cosmos and the outer cosmos. And for you, for me, that's what you just said. You said that chemistry is taking place within. Mm. And I'm holding that. So you're the observer. Mm. But you're also the the chemistry that of the observed. Yeah. Which is the witness of the observer observing the observed. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> I love this. Yeah. And I and I bet I bet you also train people to do what they do doing what you do. I I definitely try. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yes. We're, we're on the we're in the no words realm here kylie we're just grinning at each, just so everybody knows we're just grinning at each other yeah yeah, yeah. and and i think yeah. i think that this is the thing about when you talk about things from a tense and that's, sorry, that, that's where all the answers lie isn't it i mean in in the mystery you know yeah that that's where yeah that's where it all lies that's where all inspiration comes from and breakthroughs and i just you know. love that yeah. And and there are people playing with what I call counterfeit mysteriousness. There are magicians and spellcasters out there. Trust me, guys. I've I've been victim to many. I have the archetype of the. I studied archetypes with Carolyn Mace, and I have the archetype of the enchanted child. And the enchanted child loves to be enchanted, so she's always gazing for gurus. I call it. Right. And so anybody says something to me, and it's like gold dust, and I'm like, oh my god, this is treasure. And of course, the storyteller <laughs> comes out, and I'm like amazed. And I, oh, one of my hard lessons in spirit has been to, to demystify the guruism and find out if it's true. Mm-hmm. Find out chemically, find out biologically, find out engi- from an engineering point of view, find yeah. out from all these different so-called aspects of science whether or not it's true, whether it makes sense. And that doesn't mean to make them wrong, but it's further to perhaps distinguish what's not true for me perhaps that's what is that a way of saying it yeah definitely yeah and I think um you know I always come back to um in the sutras Patanjali says you know the most powerful form of knowledge is direct experience so that that's what I hear in that as well you like really that inquiry of what is your experience and that's where I felt I always feel very lucky and very blessed that I, I I sort of escaped that guru thing in the yoga world because I just happened to my first two teachers who are still my teachers constantly said, check it out for yourself. Oh, you know, the magic words. Yeah. Yeah. What's your experience? What's your experience? That, you know, so I do feel because, I, you know, you see so much stuff around in the yoga world and. I do feel very blessed that 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 that's always been in the back of my mind, any practice or any teacher I come across. So, 
yeah. check it out. Uh, it took me forever <laughs> to find the the person that I follow mm. who declines to be guru-fied or proselytized mm. about or any such thing. And the first words, always, always, always check it out for yourself. I may be wrong. This may not sit with you. I, you know, whoever you follow, be it Patanjali, be it the Buddha, be it the Jesus, the Christ, be it the Mary Magdalene, be it whoever, just mm. check it out. What resonates for you. Exactly. And it's that resonance field, isn't it? And I, and I think that yeah. when we're in our resonance field, we resonate with those who resonate with us but then what happens is we try and contain it and make it true forever and of course it's temporal yes um, yeah. and I think that's the bit that's hard and I love what you said earlier that you said that I was doing prenatal and postnatal and now mm. I've continued that and evolved that into what you could say spirit brought forth or you animated yeah. next and yeah. I love that flow so so your career over this 25 years I'm fascinated did you was it Japanese yoga that you went straight into at the beginning or I started, I started, retreat yeah I started with Japanese yoga um which I don't know if you know much about the okido lineage but I don't it, he um oki was basically you know investigating what's what's the best way to live um through yoga but they also he also incorporated a lot of the, the Taoist philosophy five element theory and the channel theory so um and you know uh, the core teaching was the heart sutra as well the buddhist heart sutra so i for me i always you know took away from that practice that it that it was about following your heart and also about you know like you were saying before like getting rid of the untruths I guess and uh, on a physical mental emotional level and getting back to your body's instinct as well um so it's a beautiful uh system um but then I kind of did the usual you know I jumped into ashtanga yoga and I loved that for a couple of years and then I found a teacher who who's a hatha teacher and he taught me to teach and but at the same time I sort of had my Karima who was my teacher who was an Osho Sanyas and I met her right at the beginning and I'd done women's groups with her and incredible incredible energy reading training and things like that with her so that was sort of weaved through the whole thing and yeah I did I I you know I always say never, I've never had a proper job I I've just taught yoga and i did deep tissue massage for many years as well. Um, so I started out, you know, teaching at gyms and corporates at schools and any person that I could grab that was interested in teaching, in learning yoga and being massaged. Um, and all the while I, I just kept up with as much kind of body-mind science that I could get my hands on as well. Um, yeah, and then I had children and you know, started teaching, practicing, obviously, through my pregnancies and postnatal, and I taught then lots of pre and postnatal, taught Calm Birth Program, which is a beautiful birthing program for couples. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I've always seen my teaching like that. I've just always had a passion for healing and the science and the mystery and whoever's come to me I've tried to find a way to teach them yoga in a way that's accessible for them and so that sort of has gone in different ways lots of fertility I've had lots of fertility clients as well lots of women's uh, health um yeah and then 
just came across a wonderful lady who specialises in, uh, she's a social worker, does childhood trauma recovery, extraordinary Irish woman. And we sort of, like you and I went, oh, hang on a minute, I think we're on the same page. So yeah. we ran a few workshops and things like that. Um, you know, she always says she, she, you know, she's in Australia anyway, she was one of the only people who would dare mention the word spirit at, at training, social work and trainings for in that world. She was a little bit out there, but she's like, how can you not mention spirit? Um, and she's very much kind of likes to go back into the Celtic wisdom and oh fabulous yeah yeah so yeah so then you know and then I opened my own studios which was you know a blessing and a curse and that took me on a whole other yogic journey of the masculine shall I say (laughs) having to embrace we need it all we need it all (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah and then and I do teacher trainings now as well and and yoga therapy but yeah I love the deep stuff I love you know, I love the thing I love about teaching yoga is the deep connections that you get to have with yourself and with others, and you know, you don't you don't get those in everyday conversations. It's funny. It's it... no, and and one of the things I love about about yoga, people say to me, "Why yoga? You know, why doesn't this apply to Pilates and all the other things?" And I'm like, "Hang on a second. Let's just get this clear here. <laughs> the ancient wisdom practices." of the east have been around for centuries not weeks not months not days not years not decades centuries and here in the west we've we've done things very differently we you know you know i quote it in my book Rene descartes did his turf deal with the pope which the turf deal came from candace pert um it was her phrase describing how he he said the science could have the body if the church retained jurisdiction over the the mind and the being and you can take that back to the celtic origins of when when the the christianity that was 200 years post the christ was yeah. authorized and brought to the uk or the the the, the west let's say mm. that it was the christian missionaries that I'm sure served a fabulous purpose, but the Catholic Church at this point took ownership of the soul and the spirit. So it became synonymous and it became a way of, um, in some ways, authorizing people's lack of self-control, lack of self-awareness, lack of self centeredness in the sense of can you center yourself in spirit you had to go and get that centeredness ordained by someone else exactly yeah and and I'm not even sure it was true to what the Christ actually said because when you read what the Christ said pre and post Mm. Constantine it's a very interesting read. I don't know if you've read the work of Megan Watterson. No, Mary I Mary Magdalene Revealed. Oh, my goodness. Megan, Megan with two Gs, Watterson with two Ss. Mm-hmm. And um, it's called Mary Magdalene Revealed. And she's done her homework. She's really done her homework. And she explains the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, which is, was found and uh, with the first six pages missing. 
And mm-hmm. she postulates that the six pages that were missing and part of one other page, I think it's page 11, I can't remember, but that it's about going inside and finding the kingdom of heaven within mm. and finding that the, 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 the way spirit animates you doesn't mean your way is the authority over anyone else, quite the opposite. Yeah. It's having the power to authorize your way for yourself without imposing it on others. Yeah, I like that, the power to authorize yourself. Yeah, it's true because that's often where the um, the wounding is, isn't it, in that very disconnect. There's the, and that I'm, not de- I'm not decrying the church, by the way, everyone. I, I, I've been to church many times. I, I you know, I, I love anything that people get comfort from and so on, but I don't impose my views on anyone, so... Yeah. You're not sorry, just to say that it's God politics for me. I don't get into that. Yeah. Yeah, but that that's you know, again, one of the gifts I think of as yoga as a therapy, which you know, mm. I'm so passionate about yoga therapy becoming more of a household name and thing because it's not still very well known of in Australia anyway. Um and you know, one of the, the gifts that I see that people receive from yoga is of course in general but when they're chronically ill or you know different um extreme trauma and things like that there's there's you know there's such a separation experienced within themselves um and especially if they're going through the medical system having lots of tests and different specialists and everything's in, in a sense feels quite separate and they don't feel whole and you know, I've had several people say to me, oh, I feel whole again, thank you. And I think that speaks to what you were saying, like that just getting back in touch with that inner, with spirit. And, mm-hmm. and through that we gain that sense of inner power and love and it, it all exists within, within that wholeness, doesn't it? So yeah, It's like it's fragmented, isn't it? It's like feeling the fragments of you. But then when you realise they're whole, they turn into facets. Yeah. And so suddenly you're a a faceted diamond rather than a fragmented, whatever, broken thing. Yeah. 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 And I I love what you're saying, because for me, there's the the argument about... um, what is yoga therapy and that when we talk about non-therapeutic intervention we're talking about yoga fitness as such I I don't necessarily like those two distinctions but that's what we've got and um, that the implication that yoga fitness is non-therapeutic is in a way patent nonsense because the fact that you're standing on your mat you're self-aware you're moving thoughtfully you're moving consciously. I'm not going to say mindfully because one of the keystones of yoga is about getting, as you said, beyond mind. Um, But let's say thoughtfully, consciously, you're on your mat, even if all you're doing is a series of postures and there's no meditation, there's no breathing, there's no nothing. That still brings you into yourself. It effectively presses pause for you from daily life and gives you a breathing space. Yes. Yeah. So it's therapeutic in that sense, isn't it? But absolutely it can't not be yeah, I, we have to yeah. be careful yeah no yeah it's such a yeah it's a it's a it's a whole weird kind of world isn't it the modern day kind of yoga industry and um I think 
pros and cons always, hey, but um, the language I think around... it's useful that we have a distinction because yeah. I think what we have to do is when, you know, I'm a yoga therapist too and I know the rigors I had to go through to, to demonstrate my understanding. Mine is a very structural bias, but yours, maybe if it includes mm. trauma and birth work, and whatever that specialization is, that, that there's this acknowledgement that you've understood more about yeah. certain conditions. And, and I think that has to be in some way governed because there are people out there who don't, we all don't know what we don't know. Yeah. But to make it safe, we have this therapy where you've gone through that more advanced education over a period of time to establish mm -hmm. some very specific boundaries to deal with certain conditions such as trauma yes, and then the other side of it being that you you basically know how to do yoga and that's wonderful yeah. too yeah. but it's it, you talked about this wonderful bridge between these two worlds mm -hmm. how do you bridge the world between therapy and teaching what's what is that difference for you um oh look to be perfectly honest, I don't think there is a difference, <laughs> but it just <laughs> it just depends on, you know, everything's a spectrum, isn't it? So, yeah, um, it is. I guess, you know, even with yoga therapy, I sort of see, you know, wellness is, you know, you know, duk, moving from duk to sook, so suffering to non-suffering, but then to growth and potential. So yoga therapy to, to me also can help people take them from you know pretty healthy and happy to you know maybe finding their dharma or you know fulfilling mm. their potential um because it never stops does it like I the journey doesn't stop and I still you know need that guidance and teachers and to help me continue on this journey of life conscious if you want to live consciously um Sometimes I wonder if I've made the right choice, <laughs> but um, it's tough facing some of the things that you need to face, I think, consciously, but it's all a part of growth. Yeah, so I, I, I struggle for myself to see a distinction, but like you said, I, I do agree and I, you know, obviously, especially with, you know, the short trainings that you can do to mm. become a teacher and not even short trainings but not really have to, I think the biggest thing for me is how much actual yoga experience you've had yourself. Um, you know, how, how much of the journey have you gone on? I can see, like, in, in the sort of more traditional guru student, I can see how it was more like, okay, I, you know, I'll give you blessings to teach now because some of my students I'm like, you know, a set amount of time and training is not necessarily, we're all different, right? So... I agree. I mean, I remember I. Yeah, keep going until I think, okay, you found yourself now. Off your pop, go and share, go and share that <laughs> with others. It's a difficult one. I remember I had a conversation with Tom Myers many, many years ago, and, and he said to me, How many hours do you do with your, did you do in your teach training, the one that you did, you know, back in, God, I, I can't remember when it was. Um, 90s back in the 90s how many hours did you do and I said well we did one day a month for two years mm. plus classes in between and a yoga diary and a practice diary and a mm. this and that and I, I gave him my list of what I'd had to do 
And he said, so that's effectively 24 days. And I said, mm. we kind of, I remember <laughs> really struggling because I didn't want to make him wrong. But at the same time, I'm thinking, no, it wasn't 24 days. It was 365 days times two with mm. peaks in between is how I experienced it. But I yeah. you know, wasn't trying to be smart at the time. And he said, well, what difference if I do a 24 day training? Yeah, and I remember thinking, I don't know how to answer this because it's it's like it's like saying how many stars are there in the sky? I mean, the the answer was the one I gave at the time, which was I don't know. But I came away thinking, hang on a minute. How do you do that kind of math, as they call it in the States? Mm. But 24 days over two years is equal and same as 24 days back to back in an intensive very different experiences and I've never done a 24 day intensive I've only done year-long intensives mm. do, do you know what I mean yes, <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah and it's yeah. a completely because you evolve and you incorporate cycles and I felt like well actually I did 24 cycles of the moon while I did yeah. those trainings and I was a very different person after the fourth one and I just remember yeah. sitting there with my mouth open like mm. that a question yeah. Can yes. you, do you get what I'm saying? I absolutely what would you get say? It. Yeah, no, I I totally I totally get what you're saying because I think the thing with yoga yoga it, it is a way of life and it becomes a way of life quite quickly I think for people and um I mean I always laugh because I my name's Kylie. I live on Kangaroo Street in Manly. And I teach majority of my clients are Indian and Sri Lankan and Korean. I've never been to India, but I teach Indian people in Australia. But a lot of my um, India, I always say India just keeps coming to me. But um, a lot of, you know, I have many conversations with my beautiful, I, I learn so much. Have You, you learn from your yeah. students. Right. right. But, um, you know, one thing that I, I really, you know, it gets reflected back all the time is that yoga is a way of life and in you know one of my dear friends said you know Kylie we didn't do yoga in India it was a way of life it's not you don't go and do your yoga um, and I think that's probably what's missing in that um, thought process for Tom Myers is it's that you 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 do you do your practice on the mat and maybe, you know, with, with your teacher, the conversations or the satsangs or whatever, but you you take those realisations and you take that new awareness and that increased consciousness and then you live life and the practice keeps evolving and you... Yeah, you do it again. And yeah, and you, you, you are shedding things and you're seeing things differently and, you know, bringing it back to the science and... You know, we're we're clearing the mind, we're clearing our perceptions, and as Bruce Lipton says, then you know, it's it's how we're perceiving the environment is how our cells and our our biology adapt. So that's how I see it. We respond differently, um, and I always say, doesn't you know, as you would agree, that the eight limbs of yoga are limbs; they're not steps on a ladder. So even if you're practicing asana or pranayama by itself, the other limbs will grow as that consciousness develops mm. so yeah I think I think yeah I think there's a 
it, there's a bit it's a bit flawed that <laughs> that concept that 24 days straight is but as you said the equivalent it's, it's different, yeah it's different but um uh, yeah I, I mean I know for myself you know I don't it's not like I you do you don't do training every day but you know I have something I, I come up against something that I'm sort of suffering around or I'm feeling a bit of duck not so aligned and I'll see go and have a session with my teacher and then I go thank you and I go and live life and expand and you know change and wait till I face the next thing (laughs) sometimes I see her every week for a while (laughs) yeah I hear you I hear you and it's funny because when when it was when I was doing structural integration and I was training directly with Tom um, I, I remember one day turning to him after I'd been studying for about two years. And where were we? It must have been 2003. No, probably three years by then. And um, we were getting on an airplane together. We were going to, I was assisting him teaching. And um, I said to him, okay, how many years? And he said, what, how many years before I can do what you do? When you just know where someone hurts and put your finger in it and you, you, you just can feel the pain, you know where it is. And he just looked at me and he said, minimum five years. I said, what do you mean? He said, 15 clients a week, every week for five years. And you'll know what I mean. Mm. And it felt like a sentence. I mean, it was just like, oh, you're kidding me. I've put three years into it. So this this is the same person, particularly yeah. about his skill. Yeah. Just saying, I mean, I, I do this all the time. I say it's but so he actually understood completely. He just hadn't incorporated yoga in the way that he lived and breathed structural body work. Yeah. And, uh, yes, and, and yes, in structural yes. body work, he was basically saying to me, 15 clients a week for the next two to three years, and you will know. And he was right. Five years yeah. of 15 clients a week. And it because that's like an, an hour to two hours at a time, which starts to resonate a bit with what you said at the beginning of the amount of hours you were doing in a week. I was doing probably 30 to 40 hours a week of structural work. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you start to intuit at a higher frequency, I think, and you get more information in much less time. But it fascinates me because both of us, whether we talk about it or not in those terms, are working with the fascial matrix because it's ubiquitous it's everywhere. And John Sharkey refers to that as the tissue of temporality. And mm. what you said fascinates me because it's how we accumulate our sense of time and timing but it's how we learn. And when you said, you know, over time, we let mm. go of certain things, we transform ourselves. We sometimes I need my teacher every week. Sometimes I go months and I haven't. Oh, I, do you know what? I think I'll go and have a session, put myself back mm. on track. That's the flux and flow of life, isn't it? Where, where mm-hmm. we're all in this web together. Yeah. Overflowing. And I think what's so fascinating about the fascia is that as a matrix, it's what webs us together but it's also what wraps and distinguishes us from each other. I, I mm. think the dermis is, is also fascia. Mm. And I find myself, I mean, like this, just this conversation, I, I hope it's just overflowed with new ideas and different animations, but that what it's also done is light stars in the sky of other people's inner mm. spiritual sky, shall we say, whatever that is for them. And that it illuminates different, thoughts and I, and I just admire you hugely for for the way you've threaded so many apparently disparate ideas through just diligence and following your own curiosity following your heart and this is what yeah. I mean you know you know I mean heart-centered is is 
is what I studied. I was like, why is why do we talk about people as if their brains on sticks walking around in data based quantitative worlds? I can't. It drives me nuts. I mean, whether it's a diagnosis for pain, it just becomes a label, and people come to me living inside that label box, and I'm like, no, it's a spectrum. Let's you've got some control over the volume. Let's turn the volume down, honey. Let's just turn the volume. Let's see, and. We're not curing anybody. Yeah. We're facilitating them turning their own volume control down. Yes, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And shift, yeah. And, and shifting. sometimes I also see it. It's like you just also, you know, some, like like with a toddler. <laughs> it's like, look, look over here. It's sort of also pointing that, you know, their attention back to themselves <laughs> away from the distraction of the the mind you just yeah. reminded me of something that happened when my son was very little he was a he was a monkey and he used to climb he was a climber you couldn't leave yeah. him sat in a chair for a <laughs> nanosecond did you have one of those he and he, now. he hasn't stopped <laughs> yeah. exactly anyway he dragged this kitchen stool to the other side of the kitchen and I had turned my back for a second someone was at the door and he, he was standing there holding a chair and I went, okay, one second. I literally turned to open the door and say, thank you, shut the door. And as I turned back, by that time, he dragged the chair to the other side of the kitchen, climbed up on the stool, opened the bread bin, taken out the loaf of bread, took hold of it like his daddy did, took hold of the bread knife that was in the box, but we didn't know he could get to the worktop. So we had no idea it wasn't safe. And he'd started to cut through this loaf of bread across his thumb. He was heading for his thumb. And I I stood there and spirit, God knows, spirit spoke to me directly when it came to my son and urgently and frequently. I I can't even tell you. I I don't have enough hands and heads. I I needed to be an octopus to manage what he got up to. And this, I just went, oh, my God. And this voice went, don't shout. Because if I'd made him jump, Mm -hmm. there could have just been horrible. And the words that came out of my mouth, I was like, help. And this all happens in less than a nanosecond. I just went, go slow. And you could actually feel the energy mm. of, oh, she's not stopping me. Yeah. Yeah, him thinking. Like he's paused for a second. Like, why aren't I being stopped? He knew he was being naughty. He knew he shouldn't have done it. Yeah. I was standing behind him with my hands either side of him, just beyond his peripheral vision, because there's no way he was going to hurt himself. Mm. But it was like, if I make him jump yeah, and I panic, it's not oh. going to help anybody. So I just went, go slow. And I literally saw him and he, he got this knife down nice and slow. And, he, and, he, and you could feel him thinking, why isn't she stopping me? I went, go very, 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 very slowly. And as I said it, the knife touched his thumb. Mm. I mean, I was really there. Wow. And he went and, and he frowned because he made the connection between the knife and the skin. And I thought that knife's going to tell him what's going on. I don't need to. But I did need to. Do you see what I mean? I was like, but just inches away from him. And then oh I said, keep still. You can cut the bread, but keep still. Let mummy do one thing. 
And he kept absolutely still. So the knife is now resting on his thumb, but he's frowning because he can feel it and he can't work out what's going on. And I just moved his his left hand down the loaf. And I said, now do it. And mummy, help you put my hand over his hand and helped him cut the bread. And then I taught him how to cut bread then and there, aged God knows what. And he was so proud of himself. And I said, you see why you have to be so careful, mental note, lock drawers, hide all knives, doesn't matter how high up they are, it could be on top of the fridge, they're not going to. And He's never finding one again. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it was that. It was go slow. <laughs> and it was, it was this process of facilitating his self-sense. Mm-hmm. And how do we do it? So, so there was like this balance this is what I mean about the the masculine constraint as it were and the feminine bandwidth I I don't know if that's a true attribution god knows god help me but the yeah you know what I'm saying yes I do know what you're saying yeah both neither either or it's it's not easy is it no (laughs) but yeah interesting It, it it yeah and that that stillness of mind that that was a prayer, it. Kylie. That wasn't stillness. <laughs> that was prayer, panic, exhale, have your nervous breakdown afterwards. Yes, yeah. It was that. But it was... <laughs> urgency requires. <laughs> but it's yeah. something you've been talking about throughout this, and I, I really I love your use of language. Um, and when you said presence, the mm. one the common theme through everything you've said is presence. Mm. So to as we roll into completing our talk which I've loved and hope we do it again I I, I've just loved it is is presence seems to be a major theme Hmm. is that something that you feel you learned or something you always knew um no I think I think when I discovered that um yeah, that that's a part of it getting beyond the mind, I think, and and the um, the aliveness of the presence, but the the silence in the presence, which allows that kind of intuition, doesn't it? That's how I experience it. That mm-hmm. that. Um, did you getting, were you shocked into that in the in the retreat that you did? I would have been at first, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? You, you, I, I was definitely shocked into it <laughs> parts of that first retreat I went to. Um, you know, 5am chanting the Heart Sutra for God knows how many times and things like that. But, yeah, but it's also then I think, you know, yeah, you develop it, don't you? You, you develop your, well, I feel like, you develop your ability to access it and um, hold it, stay with it. and It's brilliantly be, said. It's almost be, like your yoga becomes holding that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that's what, that's what I always feel like teaching yoga or yoga therapy is a much more powerful practice for me in many regards because I have to be present. You know, I might be like when I'm arriving and then it's like just get present, <laughs> just get present and, you know, be real here. 
Um, and, you know, but for me, I always, that's where I always think all paths of yoga become one, don't they? Like, yeah. It's Hatha, Bhakti, Jhana, all of it. It's, it all becomes one path, I think, that weaves together. And that, that's where I, you know, when I'm, when I'm teaching, I might look like I'm teaching Hatha yoga, but I'm practicing Bhakti with just loving my clients as much as I can. And, and, you know, it always feels good. It's not always easy, but it's a lot easier now than it used to be. Um, and that's, that's where the magic happens, isn't it? Oh, completely. I, I'm loving hearing this because I've recently had a, a bit of a difficulty where, where somebody felt necessary to, shall we say, be unkind. Let's just put it like that. And my teachers happened to be around at the time and, and just said to me, just pull back, forgive, forget, move on, mm. wrap them in love. Mm. And one of the comments that came back to me was what's love got to do with it? And it was like everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah. That's not to make anyone else wrong. It's like, God bless you. I love you. Peace. Be still. Mm. Everything. Like yeah. that may not be what's true for you, but underneath what you're doing and underneath that and underneath that is love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's not yeah. to make them wrong. It's just, no. yes, love's got everything to do with it. And it's where, it, 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 don't you find though that the first hurdle that you work with with people is loving themselves, forgiving themselves, letting themselves off the hook of their own judgments and mm. demands? Isn't that the hardest part? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I think that's, you know, we've got the uh, mirror neurons and things like that. That's where I think it's that that presence again, that reflection <clears throat> back that I see. We let's do a podcast on mirror neurons. Let's do a podcast on mirror neurons. Yes, fabulous. Yeah. Would you do so that, that with me? Would you do that? I'd love to. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's that. It's that. You know, the other, you know, the namaste, it's like I, I'm I'm endeavouring to see the light in them until they can see it themselves or, you know, we're, we're holding that space for them to see that that's who they are um, and, and reflect that back. And, you know, it's not always easy <laughs> as, as the teacher or the therapist. I'm not <laughs> pretending that I'm good at it all the time, but that is... It's like the thing you're dealing with but you can find the love behind everything I know it's a thing exactly. it's a thing but that that's what I see is the practice isn't it that's the practice and it's always a self-reflection in there somewhere just takes me a while sometimes to want to admit that but um <laughs> yeah that's the practice that's beautiful practice so what I want you to do for me Kylie please is give me details of how people can contact you because I'm sure you do stuff on zoom and the world is now so small that we're all a global village um, yes. So I can put that in the post with this and on that loving note. I think we've, we've taken on pain, removed, performance improved on such a wide scope that I just really <laughs> appreciate you joining me. And oh, thank you. I, I just, I love it. I think we've touched the top of an iceberg and I, I'd love you to do a podcast on mirror neurons because a oh, lot of people ask it. about that. And I think it's such a, this is where I think we start to get real juice where we take something in the science, like, like Stephen Porges and the vagus nerve. Yeah, it's yeah. such an inherent part of our anatomy. And I, I, you know, I get a bit about focusing on one thing, but I suppose it's like focusing on the heart 
and not mm. focusing necessarily that we are only brains on sticks, that, that, that the yeah. brain, if, if that's the case, the brain is everywhere. Mm. And mirror neurons are another theme through which we can alchemize this transformation from doing to being and yes, awareness of both, both and neither, you know, both all that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I know we're, we're resonating on the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Words become pointless. Yeah, absolutely. We could just meditate together now. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> but um, Can I just finish with a little story? Um, mm. um, yeah. Talking about spirit. Um, I was at the Berlin Fascia Congress, which I I'd never been before. So, and I've had little kids, so I finally made it out of the country and um, to do something for myself. And I discovered this world of um, clinicians and and scientists all sharing together. So I was in absolute heaven. And I'd actually been reading um, an article before I went about the pericardium from the Chinese medicine um, perspective and how it gets affected in with trauma. And I was up at the amazing exhibition of um, what was it called? Like the what was it? The FMPP the light, project, the, the light box with the heart and yeah. the and the diaphragm. I was having a silent moment to myself. Actually, the pericardium lit up. Actually, was bringing tears to my eyes. I was. I felt like I was in awe looking at it, and. Um, you know, I was kind of new to the, the world of the people in, in this, in your world at the time. And I was looking at it, having this moment. And I didn't know at the time who it was, but John Sharkey came up and said, oh, what do you think of the exhibition? And I was like, oh, um, and he said, oh, sorry, it's an odd question. But I was a part of, you know, you know, dissecting. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just curious to know what everyone thinks. And um, anyway, we had this wonderful conversation. And and um, then he was like, oh, I actually dissected that out and blah, blah, blah. And he said, yeah, we keep wondering what's going to get to the bottom of, you know, when we keep separating it, you know, keep separating back into itself. And I said, I think I said something like, well, consciousness. And, and he looked at me and he's like, I've got a friend who I think would say something like that as well. And at that time I had just one of those moments where my whole body kind of just got little goosebumps it was just a really special moment of my whole thing and I'm I'm pretty sure he was talking about you oh <laughs> Kylie you darling yeah I, I'm just saying because I was busting when you were talking to interrupt you um I, I'm going to share a little story with yeah. you um John Sharkey originally uh sought to do a, a dissection of the superficial fascia he did it in fact it's photographed in the second edition of my book um, and it was done in the late noughties, as they call them, 2008, 9, 10, something like that. And Professor Hojin Sui uh, from China, and I can't remember the name of the university, but it's in, it's in the book. And John dissected the skin in one piece, including the digits, which is very, very, very difficult to do. And then he dissected the superficial fascia in one piece. Now, unfortunately, he didn't take a photograph of both. He just took a photograph of the whole superficial fascia suit, which is which is in this edition of my book. Mm. And I'm very proud to have it there. And he he basically dissected fascia man, as it were, um, the, the outer, the superficial fascia under the skin, the back of the skin, effectively. 
And had he taken both, you'd be able to see the skin on one table. And so, but you, you have to take his word for it. That's what it was. And, and then he, he and Robert Schleip talked about that. And um, Robert was very keen to create the FMPP project. And fast forward, I wasn't there, but fast forward a couple of months, um, or maybe even more, we were in Dundee University and Professor Vladimir Chermensky, who is the head of the Gunther von Hagen's Institute, where the work was actually done. Um, and two of the people from who've known John for years, because Dundee is his alma mater, it was after the lab, everyone had gone home, we were doing this dissection course and everybody had gone home and I'd gone back in the lab to the people that, that actually work in Dundee, uh, Claire and Sam, to say goodnight and is there anything we need to do for tomorrow and everything. And they were standing at the table with this plastination of the heart and the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at them both and I said, what? And they said, the way John's mind works mm -hmm. is to, to pull out the pericardium from under the diaphragm for what you have to do for this to work. Mm -hmm. And obviously John had done it with the whole team there and he'd showed them how to do it. And they, but it was, it was years and years. it was what you talked about. It's all those years of understanding and finding out. And of course, it was so brilliantly presented and lit up in the box. To so we saw the light through it, and I just I, well put it this way: we, he 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 teases me relentlessly. He originally called me the hairy fairy one, but he he's one of the most conscious people I know and conscientious. And he's one of the people in the world that are totally dedicated to education and other people taking the work away with them. He's not dedicated to being famous for it. Yeah. Can he really isn't. Right. And, and he, yeah, he, he, there's no question he was talking about me. We were in conversation that day and he said to me right. that he'd, he'd seen the, the whole exhibition and the way it was lit up and it was done. It was absolutely beautiful by the, by the people who were involved, you know, and it wasn't about him at all, but I, it, he just was thrilled to see the work out there. I, I, it's me, the loyal friend standing there saying, I, you know, I'd, I'd love him to be acknowledged for it more, but you know, he says, no, it's not about that. It's about getting the education out in the world and it's about everybody mm. being aware and um, I was busting to say, oh, my God, John. And yes, no, he, he that is the sort of thing I would have said exactly. But yeah. what, I, thank you. You've just made my day. And the other thing, Kylie, I also want to say to you is that one of the things that's now known about the fascia is that it conducts light and sound. Mm. And you've talked about chanting quite a bit. And... I think that's the future, that yoga is somehow eased through this very narrow gateway called postures mm. because there's yamas and niyamas and they're another gateway, a more refined gateway. And Karen Kirkness, who's a very dear friend of mine, is just completing her book, Spiral Bound, and she mm -hmm. talks about the srotas, srotas kinematics, that the tubular network of the nadis, of the threads of the that it's all one and it, and and it beautiful john yeah. talks about tubular networks and he's getting more and more yogic as he as he gets older 
but he's a bit younger than me, so he takes the piss yeah. out of me. But <laughs> I'm so glad you've met him. He isn't he delightful? Yes. Yeah. I, I was. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. It was just a moment, and I, I felt there was something in that moment that was very special. And I and I remember him saying, "Oh, I've got a friend that would say that," and I was thinking, "Oh, I'd like to meet her." <laughs> So, yeah, it was me. Yeah, it was meant to be. Yeah, it, obviously, I'm. I'm thrilled. One last note: I, I, he did describe because, as I said, I've kind of got the birthing uh, background as well, and he described how he had to birth the heart out of the. Was like they had to birth the heart out of the pericardium in the dissection, and that as well. I was like, <gasps> yeah. he's such a poet, and he's such a scientist. I mean. What makes it so rare working with him is that he's a clinical anatomist, but he's also an exercise physiologist and he's got various, he's got loads of master's degrees. And I'm like, why aren't you a professor? And he says, well, because I didn't want to spend five, six, seven years locked away in Dundee in a little tiny windowless room writing papers and proving my knowledge. I wanted to give it out to the world and I wanted to be with my children when they grew up. And yeah. I admire him from that so much. And but he's such a wonderful teacher. And when we're doing dissection, I don't think I think clinical anatomist should be a protected title because he's training doctors. He trains, he teaches advanced brain surgical techniques to brain surgeons so that they're doing like bloodless cutting and they optimize the planes they work with so that they minimize damage to the living tissue. I mean, it's just mind-bending. And he he's he's such a he's the archetypal pioneer and yeah uh yeah i mean i i've i've listened to birthing the heart he's such a poet i i just i listened to that podcast of you and him and i jump whenever i can i've jumped onto a couple of little things when you were him speaking and i'm like i could literally listen to you two for hours chatting it's fascinating i love it well, we're a nightmare. We're storytellers and we, we nerd out on the silliest things. Oh, I love it. And yet Sorry. I can't record enough of him, to be honest. He's, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so thank you. Thank you. And, and yeah, you too. And let's, let's meet again. So let's keep in yeah. touch and talk to me yeah. about mirror neurons and we'll do something and send me yeah. some details that people can find you and, and, see okay. your work thank you so much it's so beautiful to meet you and so beautiful namaste. to chat take care namaste and you too thank take you. care bye bye, bye.